This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofala Hiatu and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hallatow and as always I'm joined by the awesome Sarah Nangama. Fala Dean and Fala to all of our listeners. It's a fabulous to be back in the studio for another week. We've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll be joined by North Queensland Cowboys April Nangatapuna. It's deal or no deal and you can ask that and we'll chat to Annalisa Mopio-Jane about the recent Oceania Women's Rugby Championship. Bit going on but as always, Hala, how are you? Where are you at? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you know what I had uh, last week at uh, the gym I go to? We had a testing day. It was on Sunday. Eesh. I'm just going to – I can't see you properly, Sarah. I have to move one of the microphones. Anyway, we had this a te- – beautiful melanin face. <laughs> we had a testing day at the um, at the gym, and I haven't done testing since I was like, playing playing footy like seven years ago, so mm. I was a little bit nervous. And what did you have to do? I did a 1.2K time trial as fast <sighs> as you could, and then bench press your own body weight as many times as you could, and then um, row 300 metres on the minute. Uh, with 30 seconds rest as many times as you could get through that. Give me some results. Uh, the 1.2K I did okay. I got one, uh, four minutes 20. Okay. That is elite, no, Dean no, Hallertow. I was 4.20. I was a minute slower than the fastest. There was like about nine, ten people faster than me on that. You better stop right now because for in the, in the women's team, the best that you could do is like coming like, like just close to that five-minute mark. So you did 4.20. But that the, So when you do it at, at training, do you do like the shuttle? 20, 40, 60? Yeah, no, this was a straight out like oh, road okay. run. So there's a little bit of hills in there. So it was a little bit different to that. But anyway, it was like I was really nervous and it, it, it threw me off. I was wiped out for the rest of the day after that. So And your bench press, how'd you go? Uh, 15 reps, which is all right. And your row? Only five reps of that. So. Mate, all I'm sensing right now is a comeback of the Dean Hallertau. Definitely not a comeback. I was gone for a day and a half afterwards. So <laughs> anyway, that was my weekend. How about you, Sarah? What's, what's happening in your life? Well, as always, there's always 10 million things going on at one time, but I just want to speak of my most recent success. I haven't had a lot of time at home of late, but yesterday I think I had the most productive morning in Australia. <laughs> in Australia? In Australia. You won, you won the day. I won the day. Nationally. In the, Absolutely. Woke up before I even went out for breakfast. I was cleaning up. And then I just got to do this one thing, which I thought was so therapeutic. And it was cleaning the stove. And I was reminded it really is the simple things in life. You enjoyed it. I did. And then you know what? After cleaning the two sinks, I was wiped for the rest of the day. (laughs) I was like, this is exactly why I don't do it. Yeah. Anywho, let's get stuck into sport for this week. At the top of our news, congratulations to the Central Coast Mariners who defeated the Melbourne City 6-1 to in the A-League Men Championships. This is incredible. 29-year-old Brian Kautak, who's of Vanuatu Heritage, was at the forefront of all of that and had some very hearty words to say after his game. Yeah, um, everyone back home, my fillets, uh, the all Vanuatu are watching, are watching this, uh, this, this, this grand final, you know. Um, it's massive for us, you know. We have huge, huge of uh, Mariners fan over there because I'm here, and I'm just, I just want to thank everyone. Thank you for the prayers. You know, <laughs> the reason why I'm here is because of you guys. So for your prayers, thank you. Thanks. That's awesome. Special stuff. Very special. And uh, we spoke about him getting more and more time for the Mariners, and then uh, he's obviously become a, a key player in their in their team as a defender and to ice off the season with a. Um, 
with a premiership is pretty um, pretty good and uh, great to hear the excitement in his voice. And the real cherry on top is that the Prime Minister of Vanuatu yes. was actually in the crowd and they had this really warm embrace after it. So we always talk about how it means so much to the people back home and that is precisely the moment that we are speaking of. Now over to the women's the inaugural OFC Women's Championship League kicked off last Thursday in Port Moresby. At the time of recording, there is a bit of mixed results, but AS Academy Feminine and Kolo Ale FC are at the top of the table. But a 13-year-old has made a name for herself. Yeah, Florencina Khalifa, she uh, plays for the Kiwi FC and she's a striker and she became the youngest goal scorer at only 13 years of age. So that's... Um Pretty amazing for 13 years of age, playing in an open competition, um, the inaugural time that it's held. So uh, she is the youngest so far in a young competition, but I, I doubt that there'd be anywhere in the world in an open competition where someone as young as 13 is is scoring a goal. So well done to Florentina. At 13 years old, my goals looked very different. I, I definitely wasn't playing anywhere near an open age group at 13. I was just busy about the boys, but this girl here, she's going to be a world changer. <laughs> Speaking of world changers, Sydney Uni Flames guard Tiana Manga Kahia, she has announced her early retirement after she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. This is really sad, I guess, for her to fold out this way, but I think the fact that she has had such an incredible um, career thus far and isn't actually walking away from the game completely, she'll still be involved in coaching, is a huge testament to her character. Yeah, uh, obviously uh, disappointing for, for herself and her family that um, she's made this decision for health reasons to step away from the court in terms of playing, but uh, the ambition is to, to step into the, cult, into the coaching arena and um, pass on the information and the knowledge she's got as a player at the highest level and hopefully Hopefully that, uh, that comes through for her and we wish her all the best with, with her health as well. Yeah, beautifully said. Now over to the NRL and bit going on in that world. Yeah, well, I just wanted to highlight one game from the weekend that was uh, a little bit of a Pacifica tri-fest and it was the Cowboys versus Storm, 45 points to 20. So a, like a high-scoring match. It was up in Townsville, uh, really fast, free-flowing football. And um, Semi Valame, who we've spoken to on the show before, he's from originally from the Canberra Raiders, made his way up to North Queensland in the off-season. In his first game for the Cowboys, so it was his, it's midway through the season, he gets his first crack and he scores three tries on debut and his third went like this. Two metres shy, great run from Dearden. Last play, Robson passes to the right, Townsend. Harbour Bridge pass, knocked on by the Storm. Hiku takes it, gives to Valame. What a story! A hat-trick in his first game as a Cowboy, as Sammy Valame puts North Queensland back in front with his third try of the afternoon. What a debut. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, The first two tries were in the first eight minutes with his first two touches of the ball. So, Same. That's like me when I'm on the field. First two touches, magic. (laughs) He must have thought, this is pretty easy, just scoring (laughs) tries like shelling peas. Um, All the other try scorers, Valentine Holmes, Murray Talungi got two, Jeremiah Nanai. uh, And for the Storm, try scorers were Xavier Coates and Justin Ollam, the PNG International. So, like I said, Pacifica Tri-Fest up there in uh, Townsville, and it was uh, an entertaining game. We love it to see it. Now over to Super Rugby Pacific, we had the final round, round 15, and the two matches that I wanted to highlight was one, Drew Up v Reds. Now this game was hosted in Fiji. The final score was 41 to 17, a high try scoring affair. And I want to make mention of Celestino Ravatulmanda and Joseva Tamani, who were both immense for the side. Drew have now officially locked their place into the finals. This is huge for them. Considering the season that they had last year, you would not have scripted this. So this was really really exciting and the scenes that followed the game were just absolutely stunning. Now Moana who were ranked at the bottom of the ladder beat 6th place Waratahs 33-24. to 24. I was actually at this game and 
everyone went into this match saying Waratahs were going to do a really solid number because they were four on the trot, went down in Christchurch the week prior, had lots to play for. Michael Hooper's last game at Sydney Football Stadium, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be for them. Timothy Tavatavana White was damaging on both sides of the board, just the kind of player that every time he touched that he was making everyone look a bit silly, breaking the line, um, even was able to notch himself a try. So it was really heartening for Moana fans, but also remembering that this was the last game for Aaron Major and uh, Levi, who will be leaving the club. So it was their grand final. And I tell you what, they put on a spectacle that many people can be very proud of. Yeah, good for them to send their coach uh, and Levi out uh, as winners, but also to get their first win for the season. Unfortunate for the Tars and for for Michael Hooper to have his last game in their jersey at home at uh, the football stadium spoiled. Yeah, there's nothing else to say about that. But the Waratahs, they'll have a big challenge ahead of them when they head to Auckland this weekend. Now, we've been speaking about it at length over the past few weeks, but the Oceania Rugby Women's Championship has come to an end. Manusina, which is Samoa, defeated Fijiana 19-18. We actually spoke to Cassie Sietanga a couple of weeks ago, and she actually went on to win the game for Manusina with a penalty kick. Now, what this means for these sides is that Manusina have locked themselves into World 15 tier two competition and Fiji are locked into world 15, three competition. So when you look at the pools competing in the tier two, um, New Z- uh, sorry, Samoa will have Scotland, Japan and South Africa, whereas Fijiana will compete alongside Ireland, Kazakhstan and Kenya. Well done to, to Manasena. And as you mentioned, we spoke to Cassie a few weeks ago, uh, pretty exciting stuff. It was driving rain up there at Bond University on the Gold Coast and trade the leads traded um, back and forth, but um, a late try to Fijiana put them in front and then uh, Manasena managed to get the penalty late. Cassie kicks the goal. I think she scored, scored all the points as well for Manu Senna. Try, bloody fly half. penalty goals. So um, huge performance personally for her, but um, very well well very well done for the Manu Senna. Yeah, incredible stuff. Now, the Black Ferns, my arch rivals, they have named their first squad uh, that will tour to play against the Wallaroos and also travel over to uh, Canada for the Pacific Four. Do just want to make mention of um, some debutants that have been named within this side. Lucy Jenkins and Rosie Kelly, who I played with at Mutsu, and also Kate Henwood, who is 34 years of age. She has found herself in the side. So incredible stuff for this side. I mean, I love them, but I don't love them that much, but it's good to see their team. Let's get a feel for it, start to strategize how we can, you know, put one on top of them because this just very well may be the year that the Wallaroos claim their first win against the Black Ferns. Do you think their inexperience uh, having so many debutantes in the side is going to be an advantage for for your team? Um, yes. Yes and no, because I think like the, the Black Ferns, we also found ourselves find ourselves in a similar place of we have debutantes, but it's complemented by a lot of experience as well. So no doubt. They'll come out firing, but um, I tell you what, Wallaroos, we are also ready to go. Well, it makes for a good contest. Looking forward to when that comes up. Coming up next, it's Talanoa time. Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us for Talanoa time today, we're very lucky to have North Queensland Cowboys player April Ngatupuna, who has played across two codes, Rugby Union and Rugby League. Currently, as I said, with the Cowboys, has represented um, State of Origin at, at the younger ages, has also represented the Queensland Reds, has played a lot of rugby and rugby league. April, thanks for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Uh, thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> Pleasure is all ours. April, before we get stuck into it, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, including your heritage? 
Um, hi guys, my name is April Nakuna and I am half Samoan and half Thailand. Um, yeah, I love that. You've spoken a little bit about your heritage just then. Is there much of a connection to your culture? Um, yeah, back oh, when I'm back at home, there is um, just the basics. Like, I'm not really strong in my like language and stuff, but like, I'm just doing the basics with uh, respecting the elders and stuff. Like, that's a big part of my culture. Um, I think that's what uh, my family have raised me to just making sure we're respecting our elders and serving them. It's a um, it's a good philosophy and something that's lost a lot of time on young people. You, you spoke about back being back home. Where is home? Where do you hail from uh, originally? Uh, I'm from Porirua, New Zealand. I'm based in Wellington, so yeah, very proud to come out of there. <laughs> I love that. April, tell us a little bit about your sporting journey. You started off in rugby union. You and I actually played against each other in the 2021 Super W Grand Final. But um, speak to us a little bit about that and then your transition into rugby league, which has proven to be really successful for you so far. Yeah, so I started union at a young age, back um, back at Imparido, obviously. Um, Played with the boys and there was actually a few of us girls in that team. And um, I think playing with the girls in the team like kind of made me like enjoy rugby, I guess. And so, yeah, I played there right up to college and then just made the switch probably in 2019 to Lee. Um, moved over to Aussie and um, I think I just kind of took off from there. And I just took on every opportunity that I got while I was in Australia. How did the opportunity come up to, to switch over to league? Was it just a personal decision that you made and, and you went looking for the opportunity yourself? Uh, so I played in a, like a Maldives comp um, and I like I just had, like it was something new and I think I just liked that um, new challenges, I guess. And yeah, just what you said, um, I kind of just wanted to try something new and looked out and I told my dad, I said, oh, dad, I think I kind of want to, like, move to Australia, like, to try and leave, like, it looks pretty good. <laughs> where, where was your first stop then when you when you moved out to Australia? Where did you uh, land when you first come across the ditch? I went to Brisbane and I managed to get a school scholarship um, at Marsden State High through Tasman Gray. So I was pretty lucky to get on a little connection through there. She's a real Queensland icon. Speak to us about uh, you playing at the Gold Coast Titans. How was that for you? And then we know you've recently signed to the inaugural team of the North Queensland Cowboys, which is hugely exciting. So dare I say your your, your roots run really deep in Queensland. Yeah, um, it was really good. It was like um, a buzzy experience for me. I was like, I couldn't believe that I was in that system, kind of. Like, I was like, well, I'm really playing with these girls. Like, I'm really actually in it. And I'm still pinching myself, like, today. And, yeah, like, my family was like, oh, can you believe you're in the mix? And I was like, what do you mean? And then I'm like, oh, like, oh, I'm actually in it. Like, oh, I actually play with these big names and train with all these cool legends in Australia, I guess. What about your, your coach? I actually know your coach from the Titans, um, Karen Murphy. I, I used to work with Karen. Was she, she was, when I worked with her, 
she was a bit of a hard nut. She was like tough taskmaster. Was she like that as a coach? Yeah, she is. But she's also like um, really more understanding as a woman. Like she knew how to um, communicate with us and stuff. Like we've always had like men like telling us and trying to teach us the game. But just having a woman um, coach was um, something special. For those joining us or chatting to April Nangatapuna, one of the inaugural signings for the North Queensland Cowboys and NRLW team, you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. April, you're currently in pre-season. Talk to us. What is it looking like? Are you handling it or are you ready to tap out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, during the training, I'm ready to tap out, but not <laughs> Facts. We're all there. We're all there. <laughs> It's been really good. Um, the girls and the team, um, we've all been able to click. And, um, yeah, it's just tough, you know, but, like, you got to do what you got to do. And um, I'm actually really enjoying it here. How is the excitement building around being, like, as we've mentioned a few times, the new team or one of the new teams in an expanded competition? Is there a lot of excitement amongst the group around what you might be able to achieve in your first year? Yeah, there is actually um, a lot of young. Uh, so our, our team is really young, so I think that's like the most exciting thing about um, our team, and just having the um, the town and the like cowboy supporters behind us, it has really helped us. Like um, I have actually not seen like um, a more supportive um, community. Town, I guess yeah. like. They're like, they really go behind you and it's like, it's been really good. And it's only been probably like two weeks into preseason and I can really feel it. Yeah, they're really proud place, um, Townsville. NRLW has expanded and has probably had some incredible growth compared to other codes. For you personally, where do you think it's heading and where would you like to see it, say, in the next five years? Oh, I think like just for now, um, it's has grown so much and I think in the next five years it's only going to get better and I'm hoping to see more um, rugby um, league teams in there and uh, yeah I think it's just only going to get better. (laughs) Yeah I couldn't agree more I think uh, the the growth I should say over the last few years has been great and uh, it's got plenty of room left to grow now we know that you also have represented internationally. You travelled over to England last year for the World Cup and you represented the Cook Islands. Can you tell us about that experience? Oh, that um, it was so good. Um, I think just connecting with my, like, who I am. It was, it's just a different kind of feeling when you play for your country. Like, I was just so proud and, um, like, crying and during the national anthem and, like, Usually I'm the type of person to like shy away when it comes to my culture, but like when it comes to sports and like I'm able to represent, I'm just like all out like, nah, this is who I am. Like I'm so proud and just supporting anything like this is who I am. I love that. That's actually a really cool insight. You've been able to play for your state. You've been able to play for your country and now you're ripping it up in NRLW. Do you have a game day ritual? Um... Oh, I just like listening to music or I just try not to think about the game the whole day, like just to like, just once I get into the stadium, that's probably when I'm like, oh, like, oh yeah, this is, this is my time. Okay, you're on the team bus. You can play one song before they take your phone away from you because we all know team managers take your phone away from you before you get into the change room. What song are yeah. you playing? Oh, 
my team won't know this song, but I always play um, Bolly Law by Wayno. It's just it's a song about where I'm from, Bolly Law. And so, like, when I'm listening to that song, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is where I'm from. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to this. Yeah. Paul, you know, it's for the world. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> Everyone's like sick of it. Like, whoever I'm with, they're like, oh, come on, like, shut out. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, nah, man, Paul, you know <laughs> Always proud. Love it. Well, I've got one last question for you, April. And uh, do you have any advice for any young athletes? It's um, you, You've gone through uh, probably a unique pathway I guess to get to where you got to now um, but I'm sure there'd be a lot of younger athletes that'd be um, interested and keen to follow in, in the same footsteps you have well I'll just say um, take every opportunity you can like just go do it or um, take no as in oh, what are you? Just, just, just do whatever you love and just, I don't know I think I've just always been able to just take the opportunity and run with it. <laughs> I love it. That's timely advice. Do what you love. Take every opportunity and run with it. That's awesome, April. April, before we let you go, we love to run a segment with our guests. It's called Tip On. It is 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. We don't want you to think too hard. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you down to play? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so different. Okay. I promise you'll be fine. There's no, there's no hard okay. questions. It's all about you. Who was the Prime Minister? No, kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. The clock is on. What have you been binging lately? TikTok. What is your coffee order? I don't drink coffee, so Milo. <laughs> Who is your most annoying teammate? Uh, probably just Heyo Faithful. Who is your sporting hero? Um, Adi Savia. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Probably the Holy Law song from Wayno. <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, the Little Rascal. Who in your team is always on their phone? Um, I actually, but I don't know. <laughs> What's something you could eat for a month straight? A mango. Favourite place you've travelled to? The Cook Islands. Which teammate has the best fashion sense? Um, probably our coach, BJ. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I'll say singing. No, I joke that. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, and ten being the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? Um, eight. Eight. Ooh. So if you apply enough pressure, you're going to pop someone's truth. It's going to tell the secret. <laughs> Probably. <No. laughs> oh. How has Ben the best uh, got the best fashion sense? I, I know Ben as well. He's from. He, I played with him at the Tigers a while back. Well, he was at the Tigers, but is he is he a good dresser? Is he? Yeah, he just wears cowboys all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you play for the Cowboys without telling me. <laughs> well, April, it's been, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We wish you all the best for the upcoming NRLW season. Um, thank you once again. Thank you for having me, guys. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Time for a question that comes from Sarah, actually, because Sarah has 
been dealing with this a little bit lately, and the question is around something that a lot of athletes uh, deal with, and and it is, why do you need a player manager and what makes a good one? Now, for anyone listening that may be wondering, what do you mean by player manager? This is kind of um, where we're heading with it. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Great, great audio. Yeah, so we're talking, that was Jerry Maguire for anyone that, that's not familiar. And we're talking about player agents or uh, in, in, when we talk about player managers, uh, people that represent athletes when they're negotiating contracts or trying to um, get a contract with a sporting team, also doing sponsorships and all that other um, sort of stuff that goes along with being a professional athlete. And back to the question, why do you need a player manager and what makes a good one? Sarah, thoughts? Yes. Well, why do you need a player manager? I will preface this by saying at least three years ago, I didn't actually see the need for a manager. And it's purely because the game is semi-professional and there isn't really much, I guess, bargaining that goes on with clubs in the same way that it happens like NRLW clubs, et cetera. NRL clubs, I should say, actually. So I have experienced a little bit of like, I guess, momentum in my career, both on and off the field of late. And I guess because of it, it has enabled me to dream a little bit bigger as to what I want to do with my career. And so where I found myself limited when it comes to my individual capacity was that I didn't have the contacts or the resources to to go out there and ask the questions I needed to. And so I started to think about, oh, I think this is what a player manager does. So I actually spoke to my brothers and said, like, what does your manager do for you? And they said to me, well, managers actually, they one, they have contacts. So if there's something that you want, they can actually help you get that. Um, and also remembering as well, like player managers, they also have an agenda, like they need to make money as well. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, do you think I should get that? Like, well, even if he can't do the things for you, perhaps he can be able to advise you of how you can um, best leverage your profile while you're still a current athlete. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I started having a few chats and I ended up with, um, a sensational bloke called John Dunlop who represents front row management. And him and I have been working together at least over the past two years. Um, and he operates purely like within the commercial space. But after coming back from New Zealand, I thought, holy, how about if I want to go play like in France or if I want to go and play in England? Um, I know that John is limited in that capacity because he purely operates in commercial. So I started having chats with other blokes and because I'm like a rugby girl speaking to you know, some of the boys, like, what do you do? What do your managers do? Anyways, got speaking to um, another bloke and basically like, why do I need a play manager? To answer that first part is because they have contacts that can help me kind of further my name, my career, my profile while I'm still in this position that I'm in right now. And what makes a good one? Oh, it's really easy to me in the sense of like, what makes a good one? They're honest. They have an agenda that is about prioritizing you and your career over theirs. And you'll find very quickly, or what I've found very quickly is most of them um, are one of two things. They do it because they love it and they don't actually really care about the money element because they've made money elsewhere. Or they're like, well, you're kind of something that can help me get money. So I'm just going to try and drive this as much as I can. Luckily for me, I've had more of an experience in the former of blokes like John and now my current agency that I recently signed to where they're like, we love what we do. We don't really need your money. And to be fair, like I'm not going to bring in loads and loads of like dosh for them. But what has made me stay essentially is because I know that they have my best interests at heart and can help me achieve some things that I just know I won't be able to do on my own because of their contacts and their resources. Good answer. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a long winded one. No, no, but it's, 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 it's very true. And, um, I, I, from my own, um, from my own experience, I should say, 
I was a little bit the same. When I was younger, I had a manager from the age of 16. Now, at 16, six, at 16 years wow. of age, you don't need a manager. And I'll, I'll say this to any young person. If you're good enough at that age, you'll get spotted by a club because your talent will override. Um, there's scouts out watching junior football competitions, watching um, schoolboys representative competitions, all those sorts of things. So clubs have scouts everywhere that will identify talent at a young age and you shouldn't be paying uh, an agency either at that age uh, for anything that you may earn from football. Not that you can, um, but so I had one from a young age and the the thing that you pointed out before around having someone that has contacts was something that I leaned on quite a bit as I became a professional rugby league player. My manager, I thought could do better at, at contacting clubs and negotiating contracts. I wasn't confident enough to do it oh. myself and I didn't have a network around me that could do that. So I leaned on my manager quite a bit to be the person that went to bat for me that um, had my best interest at heart and wanted to get as much as they could for me when I was um, negotiating with clubs. So that's purely the reason I had a manager in the first place. And also I, I feel like I got to know my manager on a personal level. I knew his family, he knew my family. We, we seen it. We have kids very similar age. So like we've seen each other go through a lot of milestones in our lives away from work and from the sports arena that kind of gave us a better relationship. Mm-hmm. And he relieved a lot of stress when I was going through stressful periods. Now, all that's not to say that people can't do it themselves. Like I know some some players that have gone out and, and managed their own affairs. So they've negotiated with clubs because they're confident, they understand what their market value is, and they don't want to pay someone else five, six, seven percent, whatever it is, to to do that negotiation. Twenty two these days. Well, if you're doing commercial deals, so there's <laughs> yeah. some some have different arrangements for for sponsorship. Some have different for contractual arrangements with clubs, and it'd be different across codes as well. But um, yeah, I, I found that player managers were needed for me because I lacked the confidence or the, the skills to go and negotiate things myself, myself I should say. Um, and you raised a good point about what makes a good one, one that puts their athletes first. I think a lot of managers go in with that um, in mind, wanting to put their athletes first, do it a better way, guide them off the field as well as on the field or on the court or whatever arena they're in, um, trying to help them with their um, finances. But there's there's been a a number of agents that have done the wrong thing by their players in the past. I've, I heard a story a few years ago, of a former teammate of mine um, who uh, reportedly got um, taken for about three hundred and fifty to $400,000 from his mind. manager. So he'd been with this guy for a long time, um, trusted him implicitly. And uh, unfortunately, his manager was managing a lot of his affairs financially and was for uh, over the course of a, a few years skimming from him. And, um, you know, those sorts of things do happen. People aren't always what they seem to be. So it's got to be, you got to be really careful. And, and there's so many managers out there uh, as well. So, um, you know, not everyone's going to have their athlete's best interest at heart. Yeah. So to summarize that, there are different ways that you can go about management. If you feel like you're confident, you can do it your own, do it. If you're in a place where you think maybe I need to explore some options, speak to people who have managers to get a real sense of what you're looking for and what's going to best serve you. On that note, if you have a question, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram. We'd love to answer them. My handle is at Sarah Nangamas and Dean's is at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Oh my God. Woo! You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, but up next we talk to Annalisa Mopio Jane about the recent Oceania Women's Rugby Championship.
This week for Island Live, we are very fortunate to be joined by Annalisa Mopio-Jane. She is a guest host on That Pacific Sports Show, and we're very fortunate to have her on the line today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Annalisa, I guess we, we'll get started by, um, if you could uh, let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, what brings you to us today. Yeah, sure. So I'm from Papua New Guinea. Um, I'm also a retired uh, elite swimmer for Papua New Guinea, so I represented PNG in swimming at the 2008 Beijing Olympics and three Commonwealth Games. Um, and my last competition was the 2015 Pacific Games, which was held in PNG, which is awesome. And yeah, I've now branched out doing some work with that Pacific Sports Show, and I've also started my own business counselling with athletes as well in my own private practice. You're pretty incredible, to, to say the least. But, Annalisa, talk to us a little bit more about your role with That Pacific Sports Show because you've been doing a fair bit for us covering a lot of Queensland work. Yeah, it's been so exciting and I've been meeting so many amazing athletes along with their coaches and managers um, from Brisbane to the Gold Coast. I think I even um, went out to Toowoomba as well to cover one of the Toowoomba Clydesdales games. And, yeah, I've been so fortunate to meet some amazing Pacific athletes that are training and competing in Queensland. And is there a good crossover? Obviously, getting the opportunity to, to get out and, and uh, be face-to-face with athletes in that role, but also you mentioned about um, what you're doing um, privately, and that's the, the counselling of athletes. Is there a good crossover in having, having that opportunity to meet, meet people and uh, you know, share some, some stories or, some, I guess, some skills that you might be able to pass on? Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, yeah just so important to let athletes know that it's okay to get help. And I think with the work that I'm doing with ABC on that Pacific Sports Show, because I'm um, interviewing the athletes, getting to know them, and they're also knowing that I actually have this other side as well with counselling and I can help in other areas of their life, not just sports-specific. Yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, the work that you're doing of counselling of athletes is is really important, I think, because you have that background, it'll be easier for athletes to to relate and resonate with what you have to say. Now, recently, you found yourself at the Oceana Women's Rugby Championship, which we were covering extensively on the show, but you had the very fortunate opportunity to be on the ground. Give us a little bit of a wrap of how it was like and what the atmosphere um, provided. Of course, Sunday was an absolute cracker of a day. And even despite the rain, I'm even getting goosebumps now thinking about it because there was just so much excitement and passion on the field and in the stands. And it started off with the PNG versus Tonga match. And PNG had quite a tough run in terms of some of the score lines they had against them. But um, the captain, Joanne Lagona, scored the first try. And I actually saw one of the PNG supporters just burst into tears while she was shaking the flag in the stands. And it was a magical moment. And I just asked her, you know, what was, you know, what brought on the tears? Because, um, and she just said she was so incredibly proud because she'd been watching the whole week down at the Gold Coast. And to see the captain score a try, she was just, yeah, pretty much overcome with emotion. And the PNG girls played so well, finishing, um, I think it was 20, was it 22-30? Yeah, 22-30, Tonga winning the game. But the PNG girls did an amazing, um, they just played so well, held their heads up high. And with some of those tough score lines at the start of the week, it was fantastic to see them continue on, keep going, keep getting on the field, 
turning up for their teammates and then coming away with like an awesome last match of the tournament. And I actually spoke to the, the head coach, Sabelle, after the game and I asked, you know, what does she um, provide to the players after those tough losses? And she just spoke about the importance of spiritual, emotional and physical health of her players. And that's how they were able to pick themselves up after every game and then get back out on that field and represent their country, which was absolutely beautiful. And then um, we had the final between Fiji and Samoa and Samoa were the underdogs and the last five minutes of that match was it was so intense. So Fiji were down and then they scored a try and they were up um, they were up by two points. And I think they thought it was full time and actually kicked the ball out with about thirty seconds left. And then Samoa had possession and there was a penalty and so this last five minutes, the rain just pelted down too, by the way. So it was actually like no rain for that second half. And then all of a sudden, the last five minutes, it's like it was a movie. They knew it was the final and all this rain came down. Samoa had possession and a penalty went towards them. And then, um, yeah, they scored the penalty and won by one point. 1918 um, by the full time. It was crazy. And, yeah, the crowd literally was – everyone was on their feet. Well, it sounds like a, a great finish uh, to the tournament. I just want to step back uh, to, to PNG and, and hearing you talk about the emotion behind them um, <laughs> scoring that try but also um, coming together as a group and, and um, you know, identifying some things that are really important to them. How, how important is that not just for their group but also for young athletes wanting to follow that pathway and, and for um, rugby in Papua New Guinea in itself? I think it's such an important step to realise... Sorry, I'm getting emotional again thinking about it because, like, those girls were just, like, being attacked on social media, (laughs) the team, because people were just putting them down, saying, like, why are you even playing rugby? Why are you even on the international stage with a score like that? And I just wanted to, like hear from the head coach you know how she's supporting them and then I wanted to show my support as well to let the PNG girls know those negative comments and those people like let's be honest then have they actually represented their their country at an international level and I think it's so important even if you're losing it's so such a privilege to represent your country at an international level, and those girls did it tough. Um, and to be able to finish on a high like that game, and they also improved from last year's Gianna Rugby Championship, and that's the thing. Even if you're losing, if you're still turning up, that is like one of the hardest steps. And then to improve and show girls, young girls back home that there is a pathway and even if you don't succeed the first time, that's okay. You can still keep building. And Lisa, it's actually so heartwarming to to hear not only your passion, but how much 
it means to these girls. And you're so right when you say that it's it's so easy to to go back out there when you've had a close win or a close loss. But mm. when the margin has been as big as what it has been for the PNG girls throughout these championships, it actually is the toughest thing to get out there. But they are they are the true mark of what sport, sportsmanship is. Is that regardless of the result. You remember why exactly you're doing it and they're representing everyone back home and people like yourself. And I think that will always, always, always be remembered. And I'm I'm actually so proud that you were there and able to rub shoulders with the coaches and hopefully have time to spend with those girls because that support, being away from home, would be so immense for them. So I think the best story coming out of this whole championship is, yeah, cool to Manasina and Fiji for what they were able to do, but the storyline of the PNG women and what they were able to achieve, regardless of the result, really does shine brighter than the rest. That that was so beautifully said, Sarah. <laughs> no, it's so, <laughs> so true. And look, you were crying. I was crying. These two are looking at me like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit going on. But no, honestly, it's um it's so beautiful to hear those insights. And we're really grateful that you were able to tell us that. So thank you. For those joining us, we are chatting with Annalisa Mopio-Jane about the recent Oceania Women's Rugby Championship. You're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Annalise, before we let you off the line, what's next on your agenda? Is there any upcoming um, sports events or interviews that uh, we can keep an eye out for? Um, no, not that I can think of, but I'm actually really excited. I'm about to do a three-day speaking boot camp next week. So I'm excited to learn some more skills in terms of um, talking, communicating and connecting with people. Amazing. Well, good luck with that. And just quickly, you mentioned your uh, counselling service. Where can people find that? Yes. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Annalisa Mopio-Jane. My website as well is www.annalizamopiojane.com. Annalisa, thank you. And uh, no doubt all of our listeners, uh, they'll, they'll write that down and take note. We'd love to have you back on the show later in the year if you're up for it. Yeah, I'd love to be back on the show. Thank you for having me. That's been awesome. And yeah, we'd love to get some more stories. Uh, all the best with uh, your own work. And uh, thank you once again for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Thanks again. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. All right, Hullers, in your two minutes of scrolling Instagram, what did you find this week? Well, in that two minutes, I was able to stumble across something that I knew had happened because I called this game last week, the Penrith Panthers, <laughs> up against the Dragons. And Brian Toll, who we love on the show, he's we such do. a good player. Um, we know he's a great player, but unfortunately, the Panthers have revoked his kicking license after they were on their last play. Um, ball moves out to the right. Jack Cogger throws a loose pass on the ground. It shoots out the back. Brian Toll, recognizing that it's a last play, picks it up, tries to this awkward kick over his shoulder to, to you know finish off the play or to get a kick in, completely misses the ball, air swing, uh, and it was um, very, very awkward and ordinary. So if you head to the Penrith uh, Panthers Instagram, uh, the nice backing track is the, uh, the out-of-tune uh, Titanic music. It's the perfect audio for that video. Great soundtrack for Brian's uh, kicking Woeful abilities. kicking skills. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? Uh, my one this week actually comes from New Brown's Instagram. He is a bulldog and they're in their change room. And I don't know if people have watched, I'm sure many people have watched the likes of like a step up. You got served. This track in particular is from step up and he has incredible aerial skills to get off the ground. (laughs) 
you have to head to his Instagram to see it, but basically he's lying on his stomach and then in like a push-up one-foot action that happens at the same time, he elevates off the ground. It is honestly so impressive. We were actually wondering if like perhaps, because he's a video editor, yeah, yeah. whether he had edited the um, video, but I think that's that's just too much too much Mahi for like a seven second clip. I, I went yeah, I went into my like brain thinking this is you, need, nah, this you, went, you went into this your is, logical brain. Yeah, this this looks fake. Like because it was so good, like it can't be real. So yeah, I started thinking. Talented bloke. I know like, who's very skillful. He's very skillful. And he still looked looked pretty awesome doing it. So well done, New. Yeah, I'll show you up any day on the dance floor, bro. <laughs> On ABC Radio Australia. Sarah, what's coming up this weekend on your radar for sport? Well, Super Rugby Pacific head into the quarterfinals. Our final eight are locked in. Kicking off on Friday is the Blues v Waratahs. The Tars have headed over to Auckland for this match. This is going to be a big, big, big challenge, I think, for the Waratahs more so than the Blues. And I say that just because of the movement that they've had in their squad. Last week, they didn't start um, their usual starters. They had people like Langley Gleeson and Jake Gordon on the bench. And they head into this week with not the usual 15 that they normally have, or I guess names that are featuring that. Jake Gordon, he actually went off last week with a concussion, which is rough because a halfback leads a lot of the action. But Goddard does slot into that. Lockie Swinton, he had come off a very lengthy suspension last week. So it'd be good to have him back in the side and kind of leading in the back row with Michael Cooper, who we are expecting big things of. But I do want to make note of Mark Nwanganitwase. Last week, they actually slotted him into the fullback position. He's spoken openly about that being a position that he would like to to explore. Um, I thought he actually did pretty well out there considering it was his first trot, but it does push Isaiah Parisi out onto the wing, which he kind of went missing at times last week. And I think it's due to the unfamiliarity. He hadn't played in that position for over two seasons. So again, they just have players playing out of position. Auckland Blues, they're pretty hot on the trot. So I think it's going to be a big task for them um, come this Friday, but the Waratahs will be up for it. So you're going to tip your team. You've got to. I'll tip the blues in. Look, last week, what? <laughs> well, look, last week I was going for the Waratahs and Moana beat them. So what I'm saying is anything, anything can happen. Now on Saturday nights, uh, the Chiefs v Reds will take place in Waikato. Now I think the Reds can have plenty to be confident about. The last time that they took on the Chiefs, they beat them. That was actually back in round 12. They did go down last week to Drua in a very... Uh, what's the word? In a very big way. That's a very simple way to... Yep. Very anticlimactic. Sorry, that statement was woeful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think the, the Reds have plenty to, to, to be proud of. They've probably had a pretty inconsistent season and the Chiefs are sitting very comfortably at the top of the table. So it's going to be a huge, huge task for them. But, you know, when you head into a fixture like this and you know you've done it to them once before in the season, it gives you a lot to be, lot to be confident about. Well, I'm going to say the Chiefs, over in New Zealand are going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, they will be. I think they're going to have their their stuff together, so I'm tipping the Chiefs. You're tipping the Chiefs? Yeah. Of course you are. Oh, two New Zealand sides so far. <laughs> You're not biased at all? No. Game three, Sarah. Game three, Crusaders v. Drua. Now, Crusaders, they're really hot on the trot, but so is Drua. 
They've had all of their success on home soil by one game uh, against the Auckland Blues earlier this season. But, Drew, you could just see after the match last week against the Reds how much it actually meant to them. So they'll have a big, big task heading over to the South Island in New Zealand because the Crusaders always, always get up for finals and are very, very familiar with being at this level of the competition. You on the Crusaders? I want to say dream like you've never dreamt before and Drew are going to do it. Oh, Drew well, they did beat them. They you. did beat them I'm this gonna season. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go draw for the like, probably the upset of the year if they get this done there. If they get this done, do you know how momentous this would be for the nation of Fiji? I reckon if they do it this week, the Prime Minister, you know how he made a note for the Sevens team yes, yeah. after Rio? He's going to make one for Drua. Uh, what kind of note? Was it a $7, seven dollar yeah, note? He, he made, made a note, a $7 yeah, note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, no one really asked, but I do have a $7 note that's signed by the Sevens, the Fijiana squad. Oh, nice. Yeah, anyways, the story that no one asked for. Yes, well, look, Renell, our very witty producer, said that if Drew do win, the note that the Fiji government should make is a $15 note. $15 note, I like it. That's good for me, Renell. Yeah. She's nodding. She's nodding and laughing. <laughs> She's pretty chuffed with herself. Yeah. Now, the last one that I'm really excited about is a quarterfinal match. It's actually going to happen on home soil. The Hurricanes will head down to Canberra Stadium and the Brumbies, undeniably the best Australian um, team at the moment. It's going to be a bit of a tough task, but you know what? People always talk about how hard it is to win in New Zealand. I want to say one thing. It's also very hard to win in a cold place like Canberra because the Brumbies always get up for their fans. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I hate Canberra, going to Canberra. Whoa! Not Not... Not the place where the people I hated going there for games. Because it's a tough place to and win. It's a very hard place to Unless win. Unless you're so. a Waratah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go with you as well on that one and say the Brumbies will get, get the bickies. I, I'm with you on that one. I think that if there's a team to do it, um, particularly to represent the Australian sides come the pointy end of the season, it's going to be the Brums. There you have it. A good weekend wrap for uh, the quarterfinals in Super Rugby. Turning our attention to Rugby League and no games for the Ron Massey Cup this week, so the Silk Towers will have a rest. The Queensland Cup goes into round 13. The Hunters will be taking on the Western Clydesdales in Port Moresby. Um, they've had a bit of success recently in Port Moresby. They took down the Tweed Seagulls 34-18 to 18 last week, so maybe the Hunters can go back-to-back at home and, and get another win up. NRL is in round 15 and a couple of games that I'm really looking forward to. The Raiders taking on the Warriors on Friday. That one is in Canberra as well. So this is going to be difficult for the Warriors. Although Kiwi teams are pretty familiar with cold and um, dreary conditions, I guess. So they've had a a pretty good run this year. The Warriors have played some really good footy. Had a good win last weekend. Uh, Raiders I'm going to go for there. Roosters against the Panthers. I'll give this one a shout because I'll be calling it alongside Brett Sprigg uh, and Ruan Sims on Saturday night. So what a trio. What a trio. ABC Grandstand and check it out. Um, I think the Panthers will get that one done. And then the Storm taking on the Sharks on Sunday. Both needing – they're near the top of the table, but they both need bounce-back wins after pretty disappointing games last week. Those are some solid fixtures to look forward to. Don't forget, you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. On that note, that does bring us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's all care. Bye there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.